0: Hey, everybody. This is the Conquering Columbus podcast, and I am Mike, one of your co-hosts. I'm uh, flying solo for this introduction today. So Josh and Tim are out for the day, which means I get to say whatever I want. And what I want to start with is just saying, hey, you know, we've seen a lot of cases on the rise, not just here in Ohio, but around the country. And uh, I want to emphasize the importance of listening to what our experts have to say and doing what we can to slow the spread of this virus. So please wear your masks out and about, and uh, hopefully we can slow this thing down and uh, keep the spread to a minimum here in Ohio so that we don't have to shut down again. That being said, today on the show, we've got a great interview lined up for you with uh, a man that Josh and I truly respect and learned a lot from, head coach of the Ohio State wrestling team, Tom Ryan. And you know, I don't think I could explain to somebody in just words who Tom Ryan is. Uh, you really have to meet the man to understand him and, and really get the experience. But I hope that you could take away some of, some of that in this podcast today. One of the things that Tom has told me and uh, the team a few years ago, i would have been actually, I guess, five or six years ago now at this point, but it's always stuck with me Is he, you know, he, he got up and he asked us, he said, hey, if you had someone that was standing behind you all day and you couldn't see them, talk to them, communicate with them in any way, but they were just following you around, they got to see and hear everything you did, what would that person believe your purpose is? What would they think you were trying to do? And that thought has struck me because, you know, I think at times we all get tired, life gets tough, things get hard, but you got to keep in mind what your purpose is and what your goals are in life and, and fight through those moments. So uh, I hope that everybody walks away from this interview, having listened to it, learning something and, and taking away something from coach Ryan, cause he's got a lot to say and a lot to teach. So as always, we hope you guys enjoy this episode and we'll be right back. This is Conquering Columbus. It's falling through the
1: air, and I fell 450 feet through the air before I slammed into the mountain the first time.
0: Hey there, Conquerors! Today on the show, we have... Cameron Mitchell
1: of Cameron Mitchell Restaurants.
0: One of our goals is to be better today than we were yesterday and better tomorrow than we are today. And that goal stays the same 24-7, 365. Jenny Brittenbauer of Jenny's Splendid Ice Creams.
2: I'm truly never comfortable. When I'm comfortable, on board, I just have to keep going. Only when you're a little bit scared are you in a place where you're about to learn something. We're explorers and explorers are making discoveries because they are going places where people haven't before.
1: Greg Odin. Push yourself. You know, we hear about a lot of people who, in the times that they've struggled, and pushing
0: themselves the most is when they figure it out the most about themselves. Donato's Jane Abel.
3: We have a umbrella idea of agape capitalism, which is about doing business and doing it with love and giving back to the community and I believe in our
0: product but more importantly I believe in our people. The Ohio State University President Dr. Michael Drake.
1: When you really take yourself to your limit and then push yourself to do your very best.
0: Pelotonia CEO Doug Ullman. There's this genuine pride for things that were born and raised in Columbus and that's awesome. At the same time there's this beautiful Midwest humility. People don't necessarily care about who gets credit. White Castle CEO Lisa Ingram.
1: This human being I think we really like stability and doing things the same, but everybody knows you don't really grow. And so the other
0: great thing about human beings is we want to learn new things. Urban Meyer. There's one guarantee in this world,
3: and that's hard work will be rewarded. And hard work, you have to embrace this comfort. I love how you said that, live uncomfortably. This is Conquering
0: Columbus. Welcome to the Conquering Columbus podcast and today on the show we are joined by our former coach and current head coach of the wrestling team at the Ohio State University Tom Ryan and Tom has taught both Josh and I personally a lot about life and what it takes to succeed as a wrestler coach Ryan was a two-time NCAA Division I All-American for Iowa under Dan Gable and he was a part of two Big Ten and national championship teams there and as a coach. He has led the Buckeyes to their first national team title, along with multiple Big Ten team titles after taking the helm in 2006. We're really excited to have him on the show with us to talk about the team's growth, his new book, Chosen Suffering, Becoming a Lead in Life and Leadership, and the Future of the Buckeyes. Welcome to Conquering Columbus, Coach.
3: Hey, great to be with you guys. Good to see you guys again.
0: Yeah, it's really exciting to have you here and uh, finally have you on the show. I guess, you know, typically, you know, where we'd like to start is just give us a little bit of background on yourself for our, our listeners out there who might not know you.
3: Yeah, I, I would say that uh, uh, I'm a consummate failure. Uh, I've, I failed in basketball, which is why I started wrestling. Uh, didn't didn't win a state tournament my senior year in high school, which which uh, that suffering inspired me, and uh, grew up on Long Island in New York. Uh, uh, big family. We were like the Brady Bunch plus one. There were there were uh, three Ryans and four Curielis, so we had a, a packed house. Life was a lot of fun as a kid. Uh, we we competed everything. Uh, dinner was always uh, an eventful time with nine people at the table. We 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 never ate out as a fe- we never ate out. Mom cooked every night, and I think the thing that was most you know powerful in my life as a young person, I just had a lot of good influences around me. You know, mom allowed coaches to coach me, uh, and she was mom, and dad allowed coaches to coach me, and dad was just dad, and I really liked it that way. So uh, it really gave me a good framework uh, for what I'm doing now.
1: So I've heard your story a lot of times and heard a lot of the podcasts you've done lately um, with, I think it's Corey, is that his name, or Obenbrunner? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you talk about the chosen suffering that you went through, you know, leading up to Teague and then after how things changed after Teague. And as you looked at life and you looked at uh, what chosen versus unchosen suffering was for you, like, I'm assuming you found a lot of it in wrestling, found the ability to, to suffer as leading closer to your goals and found passion in that. But how did chosen suffering change from you from before that moment in your life to after that moment in your life?
3: Yeah, so I think, you know, anyone that does anything worthwhile in life is going to suffer. That's just, that's just, that's a fact. I, you know, have been around a lot of successful people, uh, not only in the sport of wrestling, right, but just just successful people. And I don't know any of them that don't suffer. So suffering, right, suffering happens sometimes because we, we, we're in a relationship with someone whose who's, uh, moral values uh, rub against us, right? Suffering happens uh, because sometimes life's just hard, right? Suffering sometimes happens because we make choices that are just uh, emotional and, and they, they hurt us. So, so suffering, you know, I've experienced suffering my entire life and I know that everyone on this podcast, right, has experienced suffering so the 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 big change for me, uh, and obviously, as a kid growing up and as a competitor, I didn't view wrestling as suffering. I loved wrestling. I loved every aspect of the sport. Uh, but at you know now, as you have time as a fifty year old, I can look back and reflect on my life. Um, there was a tremendous amount of suffering uh, in, involved in the sport. And despite the level of suffering and the amount and the frequency of it, it never dropped me to my knees, right? I always in wrestling, I could always uh, use truth and reflect on my life, my career and say, well, he was stronger than you. Well, he had a better single leg than you. Well, he, his attack rate was higher than yours and everything that uh, brought suffering, I could mathematically or using intelligence reason reason out or I got to get better. My, my, my finishes aren't good enough, right? I got to get stronger. And then, you know, at 36 years old, I experienced something that was completely out of my control and I had no answer for it, right? So when we have no answer for the why, that's when my real journey began. And that was uh, the death of my five-year-old son at the dinner table, a healthy child, uh, a coach's son. He, he was extremely fit. I mean, he had a six pack as, as, a, as a five-year-old. I mean, he was just, uh, so when, you know, and he died just of a massive heart attack with no warning signs. And that pain, that pain wrecked me, right? That pain brought me to my knees and it caused me to look at suffering and deal with suffering in a different way. It was, I had to find something outside of myself uh, for the answer. And when I searched, uh, and I searched, right? I didn't start with a conclusion, and say, this is where I want to get to. Uh, I, I, I work the opposite. I, I, I pursued truth, right? And, and the truth in evolution, the truth in God, and you know the two options that we have, right? One is true, one is false. And ultimately, uh, the evidence uh, of my beginning and where T was led me to a God. So it was unchosen suffering, right? I didn't want any part of that, right? I didn't cause that. Uh, that led me to my knees, which ultimately is where for the most part humans grow the most is when we're on our knees.
0: There's so many directions we could go with that and, and learn more about your life and and how you look at suffering. But I think that, you know, how do you take all of that over? You know, you, you said you were 36 when that happened and, and what you've learned from then until now, how do you condense that into one book about suffering?
3: Yeah. though There's a couple of chapters, you know, there's, there's, I think 15 chapters in the book and they, they each cover probably a principle that I've learned as a coach. I think that you guys, I think you guys are both on the team. I believe so. And I know that, I know that you guys are both, both really intelligent, but I don't, I know math was, one of your strong points. I think wit was a math master. I mean, you're a brilliant math man, and and we
1: brought you on actually just to talk good things about <laughs> me. It's like keep, keep going.
3: Uh, I mean, you're you're you know, you guys are both great stories. I mean, walk-ons and and uh, you know, your desire to take risk and your desire to be a part of something bigger than yourselves, and you know, is impressive, right? We we, we all aren't we all aren't granted uh, the gift of of you know being national champions. At, and and uh, but we're all granted the gift of reaching our full potential, and they're not all in the same area of life. Um, so I'm not sure where I'm going. Uh, I, I kind of lost my train of thought <laughs> a little bit. Condensing, condensing, everything condensing into a every book. one book. So I would say mathematically, yeah, my thinking is positive infinity, okay. right? So I would say that that's 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 pretty much the summary of of uh, how how I, I I think, right? You 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 find. Look, you take the pain and then you flip it and you find something that you can hold on to and move forward with in a positive way. And I don't know what, what mathematical formula that is, Josh, but, but uh, it's, it's, it's positive until the end, right? You, 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 we don't have time to feel sorry for ourselves and the why and, 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 and assess ourselves against other people. You assess yourself against yourself. And you dig deep and try to find the most positive things you can in every situation. And sometimes finding the positive thing is being real. That sucked. That's positive. Like just being real about something can really move you forward.
0: I really like Positive Infinity. And it, I don't know that why, but this reminds me of a, of a book that I've been reading a lot of. Um, it's kind of a nerdy book by a guy named Brandon Sanderson. But you know, he's it, one of the questions, one of the themes of, of the most recent book he wrote is... You know, what's, what's the most important step a man can take, right? And a lot of people would answer that question. Well, the first one, of course, you know, if you're going on a journey, the first step's always the most important, but that's not necessarily true. It's, it's the next one, always the next one. And I think that resonates well with me with positive infinity because it's always thinking, okay, no matter what hits me, right, I just got to keep going, stay positive, and find a way to take that next step.
3: Yeah, that's really, that's, that's interesting, and that's, that's, that's a great point. I think, you know, the big thing is a lot of people just don't live in reality. I mean, they just—they—they're not willing to tell to 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 uh, apply real truth to the situation, and they apply the truth that makes them feel good, and that is just—that's a formula that ultimately will end in a bad place. I think so. And it's hard to be truthful with ourselves. It's hard. It's suffering. It's—it's it's hard to say, you know, in this particular relationship, I wrong this dude. I got to right. I got to make it right, because it's really easy to turn dark inside out. Right? We can—we can wreck ourselves. By not just being truthful, uh, so, um,
2: yeah, that's that's some just fundamental truth. So, for those listening that don't maybe not know it, you mean by positive infinity? What what exactly is that? <laughs> that's the
3: question I was hoping you wouldn't ask because <laughs> <laughs> he uses it and doesn't have a clue. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sound, it just sounds good. It means so. So I mean, positive infinity. I mean, infinity right is what this is endless, right? Infinity is endless. So positive infinity. It, you know it can be here's the thing it can be whatever you like something came into your mind when you heard that it affected you and you're know, like man positive and infinity. that's that's interesting so it can be whatever you want it to be uh, but ultimately for me it's endless next step in a positive way what can i do i messed up let me let me admit the mess up let me let me let me sh- share whoever i need to share with the mess up and then let me move forward in a positive way Right, it's always positive. Next thing, I mean, the next thing's is to be better than the last thing. You know, when you look at, you look at, right? You look at wrestling. You guys are all wrestling experts. At least you two are. Yeah, I don't know if you watch nope. much wrestling. You guys have <laughs> Not seen a lot bit. of wrestling, studied wrestling, intelligent. And we know this, right? We know that. We know this in wrestling, and the in the lessons we can learn from wrestling, right? We know that aggression develops, right? Uh, aggression develops. Initiative develops. That's one. think mean, it's one of the you know chapters in the in, in the book is initiative, aggression. I mean, staying in one place and being fearful of taking chances, it gets you, it, it doesn't get you far. And, you know, with Coach Ralph now on the staff, I'll throw a little props Coach Ralph's way, he has got this Moneyball, you know, it's like a Moneyball app that, that tracks our prospects, it tracks their attack rate, right? And the number of points they score. And if you bring somebody into a program that's a high attacker, they're used to attacking, they're not afraid of attacking, right? So um, initiative is, is, you know, another critical uh, component to
2: sustain success and, and moving forward. So I, I know nothing about my extent. I have one friend that went to Ohio State. So what, what year did you start? I started in 2006. I was at a school
3: out in out in uh, New York, uh, right by where I grew up, uh, called Hofstra. It was Hofstra University. It was a Division I school. It was about eight miles from my house. I grew up wrestling there. I'd go to some clubs and stuff there. And then out of college, I had a great opportunity to be a head coach at a young age, partially because of my affiliation to Gable, So Gable was the guru of wrestling. And as we know in life, if you're connected to a guru, they must think you know something,
2: even though I didn't know that much.
3: You're welcome. They still
2: You're right. So, do you does the do you remember a guy named James King? Was he there? Oh yeah, then? I know James King. Okay, I met so James, that was a friend yeah. of mine. Okay, uh, that's my extent of, yeah, of wrestling, okay. that's college wrestling. wrestling. Uh, we went on a vacation, man, probably like 04 05 range. He okay. had a hit a white Ford Explorer, and we packed we we got a cheap cruise through like a friend. Uh-huh. We packed six of us into it, maybe more, and drove straight from Columbus to Florida, where it left the uh-huh. cruise left. And when we got, we watched the temperature go from like you know 30 degrees up to like 80 in Florida that's as awesome. we were driving. And while he was driving, I was in the passenger seat learning about, because he was on scholarship. He yeah. came from Texas. That's and, right. he, and he was like, yeah, in Texas, you don't ask if you've won a state championship, it's how many. And that was like, the, the he was talking about all that stuff. As we're talking about wrestling, the car breaks down and we blew this little hose from the radiator that was cooling the engine and it overheats. We're on the side of 90 or whatever is down there, a million degrees outside. And there's no exit for like five miles either way. So we tried to fix it, couldn't fix it. And I walked with him miles. We just had this whole adventure on the way down there and, uh, we ended up getting the thing fixed. We made it on time and, uh, I've since lost touch with him, but he's a great yeah, guy. Yeah, and that's, that's cool. That's the and you made the extent. cruise.
3: The bottom line is you made the yeah. cruise,
2: and you learned about wrestling. Those are the two most important things. Yeah, we were talking about it, happened. and right when it blew, and I got this gnarly uh, like tan line from the backpack as we were yep. walking down the freeway, <laughs> and we ended up finding somebody to fix it and everything. But it was just this like crazy adventure the first time we ever hung out, and so that that's always cool. just stuck with me. He wasn't there when I was. He he was just leaving. I okay. Believe. Yeah, the year I came in you know, in 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 six. So that's that's the extent of my knowledge of wrestling yeah. as a whole. All right, is, well, you, is him. You got a well, crash
0: course. At least you don't think it's WWE. So yeah, you got. You I did. don't want to on
3: it. Yeah. <laughs> My first year. Where are the ropes, man? Right.
0: Our first sponsor is Waveform Music Group. Andy and Carlin have been working with us to take the production of Conquering Columbus to the next level, and Josh and I cannot be happier with the results. Outside of podcast production, Andy and Carlin are experts in songwriting, music production, and sonic branding for companies of all sizes. And to learn more about them, head to their website, createwaveforms.com. That is createwaveforms.com and tell them Conquering Columbus sent you.
1: So we, we what's weird about this one is that we went off order. We usually go chronologically like through the entire life. And obviously, you know, we've talked to you before and we know a lot about your life. And you have tons of podcasts where you talk about your story and your journey. But um, So we kind of skipped over it. But you, you go from Iowa and then you go straight into coaching. And you've obviously been coaching for, what is it, like 20 plus years now? What is the total 28, number?
3: 28, 29. My 29th year.
1: 29 years. So yeah. as you go over that and you reflect back, what, what sticks out in terms of what makes if there is anything, what makes an athlete successful when they come in versus what makes them unsuccessful outside of their talent? Is there mindsets or, um, you know, some people you talk about like their must, what they must have in life and is there, are there certain standards that people that you see in people that make them successful versus unsuccessful?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. I think that, you know, the reality is that th- there is something called talent and it and it does matter, but it doesn't matter nearly as much as a deep love, right? So I would say that that of the, of the, of the guys that come in that, you know, have, have some attributes, right. That, right. God gives us different gifts, right. That's just the reality of it. And uh, there's a deep, deep love for it. Uh, that is the most sustainable force, right. Now, some people do it because it's a, it becomes, it becomes an identity, right. In high school, they were the man, they were the wrestler, right. So, and that's, and that's, it's worthy, right. But ultimately deep love. And then, I would say emotional control, they're really elite. They have incredible emotional control. I think in every, in every study ever done on success, you can multiply work ethic times two. Uh, they have a, a, an unwavering ability to work on a consistent basis. I would say trust is really important of the elite guys I've seen. There's a really, there's a really high level of trust. Trust in you or trust in the process? Trust in the process, trust in those around them, trust in themselves, trust in just being honest and truthful with themselves. So I think that's really important. I would say probably those are probably some of the top three or four things that you see, a willingness to take chances, right? So initiative, aggression, just a, just general aggression. I mean, we, we, right, we all know that, that have been in a combat sport. There are few, if any sports on the planet that are as brutal and demand as much as wrestling, right? Um, Now, wrestling doesn't always offer the elite athlete, but it absolutely offers the elite mindset and, and the toughest men to sometimes go longer than you want without food. And then while you're not having food or drink, train hard and get your butt kicked and come back tomorrow and do it again. And so, you know, those things, you know, those things are, are critical to growth, but aggression, it matters, right? Fear, fear is a debilitator that ultimately will be left behind a man who's aggressive and is willing to take chances. So I think, you know, when you look at some of the greats, I had an opportunity to coach Chris Weidman, who's a, who's a you know, MMA champion, and Snyder, right, who's an Olympic champion, and, and Steber, who won four national titles, and I would like to say that, you know, in some way, I played some role in it. But the reality is that these guys had these traits, you know, these traits that look. We provide the environment. You love them. You care for them. You you just like kind of like <clears throat> turn the ship barely right. You just you're there to to be there for them, right? In a, in a, in a lot of ways. Um, but those are th- you know those would absolutely be the traits that I've seen in in anything. That I mean. You guys are both driven. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how life unfolds, right? For you guys, because you're just driven. There's something in you that doesn't want to be normal. And I say that, you know, we all fall somewhere between the couch potato and the marathon runner, right? We all, human beings, right? We fall between the psychotic worker and the guy that doesn't want to do anything. And where we fall in terms of our capacity to work will absolutely determine uh, how high we climb and the impact, right, we have uh, in our time here.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, it kind of takes the steam out of my next question because you already said, hey, you know, this applies to everything in life. But taking some of those key traits you talked about that apply to wrestling, what are some of the lessons and, and maybe not just the traits, but some of the lessons you've learned that apply more broadly? Because a lot of our listeners, they're entrepreneurs, they're business leaders, they're people just trying to get a leg up in the world. And what are some of the lessons that you've learned as a coach and through just lifetime that apply more broadly to that type of perspective?
3: Well, let's see. I would say that, uh, I mean, know, know, know who you are, why you're here. I think that everything starts, all greatness starts, you know, in the skin of each individual and the integrity and and uh, knowing who you are and what you stand for and and having principles and beliefs that that will build you from the inside out. So I think that's probably the first most important thing is you got to know who you are right and 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 know what you'll tolerate, what you won't tolerate. Um, so I would say that all you know all great leadership, I mean right there's right, a it's a cliche, but you, you can't lead anybody higher than you can lead yourself. You know, I've been listening to some of these podcasts too, some of these inspirational guys, goggins, and some of these just freak show animal mental animals. And it's like if you can't lead yourself, if you can't get up in the morning and get out of bed, if you can't make your bed, if you can't clean up the stuff around you, you know, if you can't uh, apologize when you mess up, you have no chance, right? The world will eat you up. So just some just some simple things that, that owning your life is just really important.
0: Our next sponsor is FMX. FMX is a computerized maintenance management system that helps organizations accelerate their operational success. And FMX enables you to streamline processes, increase asset productivity, and turn actionable insights into meaningful results if you'd like to learn more, check them out at their website, gofmx.com. That's G-O-F-M-X dot The Burlett Family Foundation. The Burlett Family Foundation is a local nonprofit that's committed to helping their partners build upon their strengths. They turn visions of what if into sustainable resources for the community.
1: So you talk about, you know, um, knowing your why and, and having passion for something and leading up to what just happened with COVID. I mean, you have... Uh, a team full of 25 to 35 athletes that have pursued the dream of the NCAA tournament or winning the NCAA championship their entire life, and you guys wake up one morning and it's completely taken away. Um, As you go into the practice from that day and you're talking with the different guys on the team, what was that experience like, and how how did you provide support to them, or how did they provide support to you, and uh, how did you guys make it through that entire process?
3: Yeah, I think that, you know, you guys are on the team. So Ohio State Wrestling, I think, is deep-rooted in listen, we want to win championships. I mean, who doesn't want to win, right? We, I, I want to win every time we compete, right? So that's a given, but I think that, uh, you know, what's more important than that is, you know, dealing with something extremely difficult like that, if it's the first time that you talk about that or or everything in your life, right, your entire identity is built around being a national champion, uh, that's, a, that's a dangerous place to be in general. So I think, you know, just, Part of the reason why I think our team dealt with it really well, number one is, I mean, you have no other choice but to deal with it, right? So not dealing with it isn't an option. So uh, you, you have no choice but to deal with it. And the other thing I think is just that we talk about these things, right? We, 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 we talk about being more than just a great wrestler. Because at the end of the day, when you're in a business meeting uh, or you're around the table with your kids and your, your child is uh, being picked on at school or struggling in some way, no one really cares right, that you're a national champion, right? It is, it is if, 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 the, if the lessons uh, that you should have learned weren't learned, then you wasted your entire experience as being an elite wrestler. Uh, so I think that day, you know, I don't know what it felt like for those guys. They don't know what it felt like for me, right? So you just try to be there with them. And like, you know, it, it's never touched me personally losing a season because of a, a pandemic. It's never touched them personally as a coach losing a season, you know, in a pandemic. So, you know, it's hard to comprehend something you've never experienced. Both of you guys uh, have experienced things in your life that I haven't. And, and I can't, I, you can't be, it's hard to be an expert in something or truly relate to something you've never gone through. You can just kind of be there. So I think that was kind of the theme of the moment. We're just, we're with you, we love it, we, we, you know, we love you guys and we're sorry, you know, and, and it's, it's stunk. I mean, it was, it was, it was terrible. And, you know, I think you move forward with a little piece of you that'll live with this stink. And that's the way it goes. Live with it.
0: I mean, the guys that I just, they felt like my heart was ripped out when that happened for were, you know, Colin Moore and Luke Pletcher and the guys that were heading into their senior season, ranked number one. And and have that taken away, that opportunity taken away from you, unchosen suffering. It's got to be brutal, but those guys seem like they really had their, you know, were rooted in their wise. And, you know, I, ca- I know Colin a little better than I know Luke. I think I was on the team for one year with Luke maybe, but uh, you know, Colin was around for a little while and, and, and it just really seemed like they took it on the chin, man. They really stood up and just said, you know what, let's take that next step. Yeah. I was really impressed with them. Yeah. Me
3: too. Because you know, you don't know, right. You don't know how someone's going to deal with something, something the first time they deal with it, you would hope. Unless learning occurs, if you've got a tough situation and you're in it for the first time, and the second time you deal with it as sloppily as you do the first time, there was no learning, right? So, so the first time you go through something, you don't know how someone's gonna react. And I was really proud of those guys. Uh, you know, for for Colin and, and Luke, you know, not that it's any, re, re, you know, resolve, but the fact that you go into the Nationals, rank number one, you won the Big Tens, right? Colin has an undefeated season. I mean, mean, ultimately, it's all about that one weekend, but he can certainly sit back and say, look, I did everything I can to prove that I'm the best guy in the country in this way. Now he'll leave a non-national champion. But I think internally is where the power is built. You know, if you need the world to tell you that, you know, you're you're national champion worthy, you're relying on something that ultimately is going to let you down. Right, and that's not a good place to be relying on things. So, uh, what, what was what was what was you know, obviously hard too was you know Sammy. If Sammy gets that takedown late, right, he goes into the national tournament ranked number one too, and maybe it's a little less painful. But here's the thing: maybe that little less painful doesn't drive him, right, the way it's going to drive him next year by not being ranked number one at the end of the season and losing a season. So, we're going to see how these guys reacted to this, at least the guys that have another year by their preparedness when they show up in August, right? We're in a pandemic, you lost your season. If you're really in love with what you're doing, you're gonna come back in August, one fit son of a gun and be ready to roll. So we're gonna learn a lot about what they learned uh, over the next few months because we certainly don't learn anything in the moment. We realize some things, uh, but we don't learn anything, right? I think, doesn't learning have to have a, a, a progressive substance to it? like? I mean, or do I just learn that I learned that the tournament ended? Mm-hmm. But what did I really learn from it?
1: Yeah, I think it takes that reflection to actually digest it and then make it actionable to some extent. So, but I mean, it dovetails nicely into the fact that both Colin and Luke they have Olympic aspirations and then to see where this drives them. And maybe that uh, does, like you said, similar to the guys that Salvier left, take them to the next level uh, that much higher in, in the Olympic scene. So, you know, obviously the Olympics were pushed off and all these tournaments were being pushed off. What do you foresee for the future? for college wrestling and in the international scene? Like, how, are they talking about how it's gonna unfold? Are they giving any inside scoop or is everything still loose ends?
3: I mean, there's a lot of loose ends, you know, with with, with uh, COVID. So, you know, uh, I, we could we could, we could could have a full season in wrestling, right? I think right now the main focus uh, of, of college institutions that have big time football programs is football, right? Making sure that football happens, right? It's It provides the lion's share of the resources that provides opportunity for a lot of other student athletes. So right now at Ohio State, we're really focused on making sure that there's a full football season. They're looking at, are you gonna have half a stadium filled? Are are gonna have 20,000, one in every five seats, one in every two seats. Uh, in terms of wrestling, I, I hope we have a full season. Right now, we're looking at, uh, there's, there's, there's been a lot of research into a one semester sport where you get away from the, the uh, you know, final four and you start in January and you end in May. And and your national tournament is not butt up, butted up against, you know, a, a big time event like like uh, the NCAA basketball tournament. But I think the wrestling, I feel like wrestling's in a really good place. You know, I think the sports booming. The internet is a big reason why, right? The ability for for marketing to occur and and stories to be told that you just never heard because you weren't on TV. Um, so I think I you know I I think MMA has highlighted the the gifts and the talents and the toughness of the sport of wrestling. Uh, and as you guys know, I'm just a huge proponent in the team aspect of wrestling. So I'd like to see wrestling progress to really, let's think about how a dual me can be more exciting. You know, I'm a fan of getting rid of the 15 point tech fall. If my baby was out on the mat and he's getting beat by 10, that's plenty. Let's get him off the mat and get somebody else on. You know, I'm a fan of shortening the matches. I'm, I'm all about, you know, the physical fitness of it and the, and the grueling, but how can we keep it, you know, spectator friendly, uh, TV friendly, web friendly and, uh, and, and grow it. But I, I, I feel like we're in a good place.
2: So as someone who, uh, as I've said, knows nothing about wrestling, what's the, uh, post-college aspirations for, is there, you know, the, the NFL for, you know, college football players and NBA, MLB, you know, there's pro sports. That's like the big thing is try to get drafted. So if you're a college wrestler, is it Olympics? Is there is there some sort of league outside of the NCAA?
3: There's no pro wrestling league. That's been tried a few times and yeah. struggled, but obviously you have the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there's a lot of very, you know, highly intelligent, you know, I don't want to, you know, you label a wrestler, they're meatheads that go and fight. I mean, a lot of these guys are really intelligent. I mean, Lance Palmer's won two, uh, you know, world titles. This guy was a three time academic All American. He's a smart guy.
2: And that's an MMA. Uh, I'm sorry? That's an MMA. That's what I'm you're sorry. talking about, yeah, yeah.
3: MMA, yeah. So professional fight league.
2: And there's a ton of money in that. And there's if money you, if you in do that, well. You know,
3: and if you do well, you know, it's a tough mm-hmm. life. You know, I don't recommend that life for anybody. There's a lot of other ways to earn a living than get punched in the jaw. <laughs> um, but, you know, between Olympic level wrestling and the MMA, those, those are your options.
2: If you're trying to uh, pursue trying, sport. If, yeah, pursue, pursue I was just sport. curious if there's yeah. like some uh, like an aspiration that they yeah. they tend to go on to or anything like that. Podcasting
1: is pretty big. A lot of them yeah. get out yeah. right. there. Yeah. Professional podcasting. Yeah,
0: no, the smart ones at least. <laughs> That's right. It's, it's funny <laughs> it you said 15
1: point though because I, th- I thought when I wrestled Logan off, when he had was up by 10, I thought I was going to still come back <laughs> to those last five. And I started, too, a little bit, but then... Uh, you're, you're, you almost you're, got off the bottom. You're, yeah, yeah, you're a
3: mathematician. <laughs> positive infinity, man. You're I thinking positive infinity. <laughs> my
0: right. funniest Logan story was, I, I think, so my freshman year, true freshman year, uh, I was the only other person in the weight class with Logan. And I'd never wrestled a real college match before. And the first thing, I, the first time I stepped on the mat in a Buckeye singlet, I was wrestling Logan Stieber at the wrestle off in front of three thousand coaches, and I got my ass whooped. Like it was not pretty. Is he is he one
2: of the better wrestlers?
0: Yeah, he's he was a four time NCAA champion. He's
3: the first man on the planet, the first man in the history of college wrestling to win four national titles. And a world championship. And
2: hey, what's the difference of a world championship versus? The worlds are every, you know, the Olympics are every four years.
3: There's mm-hmm. a world t- championship in between every Olympics.
0: Right. And I get done with the match and, <laughs> and uh, I'm sitting on the side and Tom comes over and just goes, it's going to be all right. Get, get back up, go get after it again. But I just remember sitting there just like, oh my God, I just got murdered. And then at that point, I still didn't know how good Logan was. So, but it was just, it gave me a lot of perspective. That was like my first like moment where I was like, I'm not very good at wrestling. I got to work a
3: little harder. Yeah, but truth is so good for us.
0: Hey there, conquerors! We want to take a quick moment to talk about one of our sponsors, Studio 301. Kyle and his team have helped us redesign our website, taking the podcast in a new direction that we truly love. And we have some incredible guests here on the show. And Studio 301 has given us a website that reflects the caliber of the people that join us.
1: And the Studio 301 team can help you with everything from brand strategy and redesigns to market research, videography, social media overhauls, and a whole lot more. You can go check them out at studio301.org. That's studio301.org.
3: Who wants to measure themselves against non-truth, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we want to we run ourselves up against the ultimate truth. And that was one of the reasons why I left Syracuse and went to Iowa. You know, because you can be in a room where you're dominating and you don't really know the truth right? Mm -hmm. And at Syracuse, I was in a room where I was dominating, but there was a level of, there was was a level of questioning. How will what you're doing stand up against someone who has attained the highest level? And at the time, I was that, you obviously now there are a lot of several programs that, that, that have elite level guys that you can measure your true self against. And some people run from the truth and some run toward it. And the ones that run from it are less likely to experience the fullness of
2: life and the ones that run into it do. I think that can be applied to business, that concept very easily, whereas people have an idea or they think like this you know, this could be a good idea and rather than acting on it with the potential to fail, they would rather just sit back and not do it because the idea then is always good. You know what I mean? Sure. So it's like, oh yeah, that, that should work, but rather than test it because I'm afraid, of, I, I think I've been guilty of that before, you know, uh, just... Oh, that was a good idea, or people reassure you. Like you're like you know uh, American Idol is a perfect example. Like you could sing, like no, you can't no, you you, can't, you, you just you don't go try. <laughs> you just don't have honest friends and family, you know? Right. And so a lot of people can be in that bubble. You see this with a lot of other issues too. People tend to be around people that have the same opinion as them. But in that area with business, it's like, okay, I have a good idea. Someone else has reassured me it's a good idea rather than put the work in and potentially fail, you know,
0: yeah, and that it really actually all of a sudden, I'm being reminded of uh, Travel Delagnev. And Tervel was, a, was an Olympic athlete who was okay, training I was say, with the team I and that coaches at Ohio State now. Cool. Uh,
3: Tervel is one of the great minds in the sport. He really is. He's one of the most brilliant. I mean, I've been in this for 28 years, plus a lot of years of wrestling. And I would put him as perhaps the most elite coach of the mind, obviously technically a lot of other ways, but that
0: I've been around. And he was talking to us at the end of a practice, right? And he's talking about how hard you try when you're out on the mat. He said, most people almost never give a hundred percent. You know why? Because if you give a hundred percent, you go out and give everything you've got and you lose. Mm-hmm. Well, then you have to admit you just weren't good enough. Yeah. And that's a scary thought. So we don't give a hundred percent and we've got to give a hundred percent if we want to succeed at anything. Yeah. I remember that conversation like it was yesterday.
2: That was a, that was a lesson I learned in sport. That it was really hard for me, but when I applied it to everything else in life, it's like, oh, this makes sense. Getting beat, you're like, oh, that sucks. But now I'm like, I want to be the dumbest guy in the room. I want to be the least successful because that you can only get dragged up by them. When I was in a band, I wanted to be the worst musician. If I'm the best, then we're not going to get any better than we are. But if I can somehow, you know, sneak myself into the room of people who are more qualified, I'm going to have to elevate, or I'm going to get kicked out. And that's <laughs> really important truth. What you're sharing. I mean, the reality is that. So I'll go back to chosen
3: suffering, and. Right, it's choosing to be around people that aren't easy on you, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I mean, look, look, a lot of times, right, we choose friends that don't challenge us and allow us to live in mediocrity, right? Allow us to do things that we shouldn't do mm-hmm. because we fit in, you know? And, uh, you know, choosing, choosing friends and the environment that we're gonna be around
2: and is so critically important to us. Mm-hmm. And if you do something, and I let you get away with it, and then you do it to me, we right. both—it's the misery loves company thing. Right, that, right. You know, if we both accept that what we're doing is okay, then it's like, no, I have a—you know—affirmation that I can be the couch potato for your example yeah, earlier. Right. And like, he's here too, so I'm not alone. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Right. 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 Nobody hey, wants to be alone in failure. That's right. Right. But if you got a friend that's dragging you up to run, you know, then you—you you either run with them, or you're like, I don't like that friend anymore. Anyway. <laughs> right. Right.
1: <laughs> There's something incredibly addicting, though, around, I mean, as you spend time around Kyle and Logan and Travell and all the other elite athletes there about um, not wanting to be normal. Like you spoke about mm-hmm. it before, the fear of being average for you, but just the ability to be the greatest in the world. And the goal is never for them to sit back and be second or third. It's just, it's, I'm going to be the best in the world at this, or it's not going to happen at all. And I think yeah. that, you know, I'm, un, I'm undoubtedly addicted to, to work to an unhealthy extent, but it's because I've felt... I've been around the presence of people who want to be the best in the world at something and to think to sit back and just think, well, you, know, you go into the real world, you go professional and you're just working a career and you're, you're kind of a normal person. You can be the best in your company maybe, but are you making a, uh, an impact that somebody like Kyle is when he wins an Olympic gold medal, not even close? Yeah. So that feeling becomes addicting and, it, and it's like probably the greatest thing that I think I've taken away from the sport is just the absolute infatuation with trying to do something that impacts the entire world. Yeah, and
3: I think for Kyle Snyder, right, and for Logan Stieber and Travell, and some of the other, you know, great wrestlers that we've had around us, I mean, we know the gap is so small of what they've accomplished, right? There's three hundred fifty thousand wrestlers in this country. There are six Olympians. You know what they what they accomplish is at such an extremely high level. And here's the thing: the reality, if we look at the last, I don't know, twenty four years of the Olympics. There's only been a few Americans to win the Olympics, right? in the last twenty four years. so so they're at such a they're at such an elite high level. but even though, even though that's not us, we can strive to be the best that we can, right? And ultimately, ultimately, that's what we should all be chasing, right? and I'm, I'm not and I'm not saying that, hey, you know the dude ran a you know uh, what what's it, he just ran that you know two hour marathon. Listen. There's nothing that any of us could do to run a two-hour marathon, right? But how fast can we do one, right? What is our potential? That's a really important you know, mindset to have in that pursuing absolute greatness to the best of our ability is important.
1: So finishing up right in the book, when, you, when people walk away from reading that, what is one thing that you hope or, or a set of things that you hope they take away from the messages that you put in the book?
3: Probably the number one thing is uh, what they'll, they'll probably get out of, it, is just how, how suffering can transform us. Right? I think that anybody that pursues the easy way in anything, it's the wrong mindset, right? You'll find yourself on, on your can most of your life. So uh, I think that chosen suffering, suffering is the way and it is in everything. Right? It is in your relationship with your girlfriend. It is in the relationship with your family. It is in the, the job that you have. It is in being a son. It is in being a father. It is in being a neighbor. It is in everything. And normally, if something makes you feel uncomfortable, you should probably consider pursuing what that is and, and finding out why it's making you feel uncomfortable. Right? If the conversation you don't wanna have it's probably a good thing for you to have it, right? So, so I think ultimately it's how it's how suffering, chosen and unchosen, chosen suffering, appeared in my life, uh, and how it and how it transformed me into something different, something better than I was.
0: Hey, everybody! We're going to take a quick break here to talk about one of our sponsors, Dueling Axes. If you've been following the show, we actually had Jess and Paul from Dueling Axes on all the way back at episode 189. So go check it out if you haven't yet. But they're coming up on the two-year anniversary of the company, and they're giving away some big deals to celebrate. If you stop in on the 17th, 18th, or 19th of this month, that's this coming weekend, uh, you can get $10 off per person on a one-hour reservation or $15 off per person on a two-hour reservation. A couple things to note here. Their team is taking safety seriously, sanitizing every lane before you set foot into it and making sure there's at least a lane of space between you and any other parties there. It's also BYOB and outside food friendly, so you can enjoy your time there, but also know exactly where your food has been. So if you're looking for a good time and the chance to toss around some axes, you can learn more about the event and other deals they have going on this summer at www.theduelingaxes.com forward slash coupon. That's www.theduelingaxes.com forward slash coupon. All right, let's get back to the interview.
1: So one thing I, I think a lot of people don't understand when they hear the word suffering, they don't understand why anybody they can't wrap their head around the idea of, of, of voluntarily going through something like that. But I think once you go through suffering in pursuit of something greater that that you feel is greater, the world feels is greater, and then you come out on the other end and you it, it helps you put into perspective, kind of like the enjoying the sunny day because it rained for a month straight. You know, it, it provides me with perspective at least on. What um, what is really special about the world because you have to suffer to enjoy it as much. So as you look at it, as it goes through your brain, like, I mean, it, do you feel similar or what, is, what does suffering mean to you when you look at it at the end of the day? So, I mean,
3: I mean suffering for me, when I think about, so I guess I would define suffering in different ways depending on what I'm looking at, right? I know this. I know that suffering for, for wrestling success, you could call it chosen. Right? It was chosen love. I loved it. It was never, I never went to practice, you know, suffering. I just like the word suffering because it has a mind effect to it. Like, what's he talking about? Like suffering. So when it came to wrestling, look, there's a lot of tough things, as I said, you know, getting up every morning and and technique and then coming back in the afternoon and running and the physical, the physical demands and having to push away from the table, you know, and, and having, you know, a half a burger instead of, so there's a lot of things you're sacrificing. You're giving up something to get something. But when it came to wrestling, it made sense because I loved it. Now, someone with pancreatic cancer, someone with a child that's, that's dying of, of cancer. I, I've got a, a, a great buddy back home, Greg Truns, that led me to help lead me to God. His daughter was four. She was losing her balance. Uh, he got her orthotics. It didn't stop losing her balance. She kept losing her balance. He finally took her to a brain specialist. And then the brain specialist said, listen, I'm so sorry. She's got about six weeks to live. How do we deal with that? That type of suffering. And so it means it means to me fight. It means to me fight. It means learn. Right. It means and embrace it. It means, you know, at some times, right? At, at some point, suffering for me was literally trying to live one more second. Right after I lost Higue, it was literally try to make sense of your life this second. Right. And there are times in my life with wrestling chosen suffering. I was never thinking about the seconds. Right, so there was a time chosen suffering with Teague made me think, Why did I even have kids? Right, why would I bring children to this world? I never thought I could lose them. Right, the pain was so great that you question your logical thinking because they bring so much to your life. So suffering is just a way that should bring growth to our
2: lives. You know, it should ultimately it should bring growth to our lives it sounds it sounds similar to like what an, uh, making yourself uncomfortable. Obviously, in your scenario, which is terrible, not something I can relate to, but like w- when you say chosen and unchosen, you know, there's things that happen to you, and then there's how you react. And I think if you, use that as a crutch, you know, you're like, well, you know, this suffering happened and instead of responding to get better. I think yeah. that from my takeaway from it. And I think like that uncomfortable is like, okay, well, do I, like you said, eat half a burger instead of the whole thing. It's easier to just do what feels good, but yeah. with that long-term goal, you know, and, it, and if it's, I can relate to the gym or like being an athlete, it was like, what, what's the end result that I want, what I need to do to get there. And I think that that side of suffering, which has such a negative connotation is, is like you said, that love, it's just making yourself uncomfortable with the, with the goal of reaching something. And that can be applied to business for people who don't play sports. You know, people, if, if I, I tell people all the time when they try to do something with, you know, social or digital and th- they the equivalent is them going to a trainer and being like, I want to be ripped, but I don't want to work out and I want to eat a pizza every day. And I'm like, you, you just can't do that. So you have to apply that to, you know, maybe you're starting a business doing the things that will get you there when you don't see the results, you know, one day in the gym, you, you're sore but after a weekend, you're not sore, but you're not ripped. And you're like, "Eh, this isn't working and you give up, you know? And that can be applied to so many areas. I think athletes get that because of that, like that physical suck that you're in, you know? Yeah. Right. Um, Like when you're, when you're lifting and and it's just like that one more rep getting yelled at or everything, but then you see that explosiveness on the field or in, in your case on the mat. And I think in business, because I know a lot of people listening here may not be athletes and they're like, oh, I don't know what they're talking about. It's the same thing, you know, that one more rep, you know, it's, you can apply that to whatever it is you're doing and you may not see the instant results, but it's being uncomfortable. Right, and you fight the world.
3: You fight the world is constantly at us, right? I mean, 10 minute abs, right? You can think about infomercials and movies, right? Mm-hmm. Even you go to a movie, you can sit in a movie in 90 minutes and watch someone be born, and then be elite in 90 minutes, right? You don't see, right, the moments, the dark moments. You see the you, montage of them working You see the montage, <laughs> right, you <laughs> see, you, you just don't, it's just not real life, mm-hmm. right? It's not real life. And, you know, I mean, a, a popular saying that's true is just get comfortable being uncomfortable because because that's the way, and mm-hmm. it isn't like it isn't like you know. I'm am a firm believer in chosen suffering, but it's not like you know. Every minute of the day, like I'm squeezing my abs, and mm-hmm. I'm like I'm like I'm just I'm dying <laughs> for this. You, know, you got to live 24 hours of your day has got to be in the middle of suffering. You no, know, my mm-hmm. life's incredible. i brilliant brilliance in my life, incredibly loving moments, but ultimately there are going to come moments where you better be ready to suffer, mm-hmm. and if you're not, you'll fall behind. Mm-hmm.
1: You are the first grown man I've ever watched in tears on a spin bike before, so. <laughs>
0: I don't know uh, how that translates into it, but we have pictures. Oh, I think uh, I think people are getting a good picture of why Josh and I. You know, we always ask that question at the end about living uncomfortably, but I think you, everyone's getting a good picture of uh, a major influence in our thought process and why we chose live uncomfortably for the theme of this podcast. Any last advice for our listeners out there, folks? You know, any final words of wisdom for them? Listen,
3: I, I end every every time I speak. I end with the same thing because I think it's the most powerful thing that a human being needs to dig deep on, right? We dig deep on a lot of things, right? We dig deep on the car we're going to drive. We dig deep on, you know, the girl we're going to date. We dig deep on the profession we're going to go into. We dig deep on where we're going to live. We dig deep on a lot of things. We dig deep on the shoes we're going to buy. We dig deep on, you know, Sleep Master. What bed is it going to be, right? We, 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 I, I encourage people. And unfortunately, sometimes it takes a real, a bone aching pain to do it. But why not dig deep on how you got here? So that's the challenge. Dig deep on it. Look at the information. Don't take you know any, anything that I have to say worth a grain of salt. You find out, you, you pursue, you dig in, you dig up the facts. And then once you dig up the facts, choose. Don't leave it, choose. And I think that's the toughest thing when it comes to faith is that someone's right someone's wrong, right? And it's not about being right or wrong, but one concept is correct and one concept is incorrect. Both of them cannot be correct. Either he was or he wasn't. So the challenge for me would be take the time and dig in.
0: I think that's a good challenge for not just how we got here, but anything in life. You know, anything you look at, you have a question on, dig deep, find the facts, then choose, great advice. And uh, Mm -hmm. coach, thanks so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, good to hang with you guys. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode. We'll talk to you next week.